0: Let me tell you about American Giant. Is that an American Giant sweatshirt?
1: This is an American Giant sweatshirt. That is a good looking sweatshirt. I love it, man. Yeah. They're just, their stuff is so good. I know. I know. Um, I have one of those. It's a great. I mean, you can think that's I, mine. Look, uh, it's a child's size, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> um It's one of those things that you can. Like, throw on when you're just going out around the town, or, or you know, like, I put just a jacket under
0: uh, on top of it. Yeah,
1: too. totally. You could wear yeah. it to like a nice event. Yeah, <laughs> it's you like, can. It's, it's a really great sweatshirt,
0: and they make them the way they used to be made. And I mean, used to be made. Many people don't even remember the sweatshirts from the 50s and the 60s and the early 70s. They were fantastic and they lasted forever. Same machinery literally same machinery that they had to bring back because it was all sold to japan they brought it back to america put it in a factory in the carolinas and they make some of the best clothing in america all american American american-giant.com slash glenn check them out now american-giant.com slash glenn I wanted to talk to you today about something positive, something that I believe can save our nation, something that can change all of our lives, but I had to hire a gospel choir to help me do it today. Yes, yes, it is a sign that maybe somebody has too much money and too much time. Today, we're going to talk to you about the way countries have survived before and this country has survived we do that in 60 seconds i'm a big fan of sleep yeah i know it's a shocker but honestly there is nothing like waking up in the morning after getting a solid night of pure rest nothing like getting that uh, or not getting that when you don't get that i'm i'm not usually in the kind of mood i'm in today relief factor sleep i love it it's just like the regular Relief Factor that you take for pain, Relief Factor Sleep is 100% drug-free. It's a blend of natural ingredients designed to promote healthy sleep by reducing anxiety and distress, improving mood, and promoting relaxation. I know from experience it works. so does my wife, so does my daughter. Unleash the power of great sleep by calling 800 the number four relief. 800 the number four relief. That's relieffactor.com. Dream big and sleep tight. <sighs> Hello, Stu. You know what that theme needs
1: is a horn. Huh? <laughs> That's true. And yeah. all songs, I think, all songs. that horn should appear. Yes.
0: Uh, all right. I want to talk to you today about something that um, has been on my mind for years. Uh, I've been talking about doing this for, I don't even know. 12 years maybe and I've never felt the time was right there was always something that came up and this began really right after restoring honor restoring honor was the event that I had in Washington DC some might remember it it was August 28th 2010 and it was on the mall in Washington DC in front of the Lincoln Memorial and there were hundreds of thousands of us gathered for the day people came from all over the country and the world and that was just an attempt just to say, we need honor. Honor is part of our country. Without it, we're nothing. The next year in Jerusalem, we did courage, restoring courage. Honor and courage makes all the difference. But the year after, we did love, restoring love at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. The first spoken word event ever in dallas cowboy stadium and i think still the only one that was sold out there was so much for us to learn a few years ago we were going to go to gettysburg and we had done a lot of work on it already and it was going to be restoring the covenant and I just I kept I mean, for this has haunted me for years. And so I finally go, okay, we're gonna do it. And then COVID happens. And I'm like, well, that just okay. And in my prayers since then I've been saying, Okay, I've gotta come up with an event. I've gotta come and then I heard in my prayers, why you have twelve million people listening to you every day? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The stronger the feeling got in me, the more urgent it felt. And it was an urgency to learn what is this? What is the, the covenant that is so woven into the fabric of America? The Abrahamic covenant, I know. God would bless Abraham and his offspring, and he'd be there you know, for them. They'd live under his protection and guidance, and they would worship him. He would be uh, their God and, and, uh, and his people. It worked for Israel until they failed to remember it, and then they were destroyed and scattered. But in his time, the promise of restoration was fulfilled. No other country ever in the history of civilization has ever been promised to be destroyed, then promised to be restored. And thousands of years later, it happens. Its language and its people are still returning to its original land. That's because they were a covenant nation. Now, America historically is a covenant nation. The pilgrims actually came here to establish what they called the New Jerusalem. They actually thought that they were spiritually completing the journey that began at the Red Sea. And so they said, you will be our God and we will be your people. They made a promise. They made a covenant. This was later renewed when George Washington first took his first oath of office. There in lower Manhattan, he raised his hand to the square and his hand on the Bible, and he swore to protect and defend the Constitution. So help me God. And then he said, everybody, we're going to church. And they walked down the street to the church where he prayed for hours on his knees. Prayed for hours. He made a covenant again in America's darkest time with Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said, I I wasn't a Christian when I was elected. My son died and I didn't become a Christian. But at Gettysburg, he broke. And he would finally obey God and realize that it's not about saving the Union. It is about freeing his people. So even if it meant the end of the Union, he would free all of the slaves. That fall, right after Gettysburg, he traveled up there and he gave a quick speech and he thought, now he's going to remember this. In fact, he gave the speech away and it was eventually thrown away. But about a month later, he asked Congress to pass a Thanksgiving proclamation to rededicate ourselves to the American covenant. It passed and people all over the country prayed and humbled themselves and fasted and dedicated their lives their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor. They dedicated it once again to God's will. Before Gettysburg, before this happened, the Union only won one battle. But after the covenant was made, we only lost one battle. I, I hate the word covenant. I Honestly, all of this stuff it's, makes me so uncomfortable because... Uh, but covenants, what is a co- Covenants are just promises that actually mean something. When you're in a covenant relationship, you're, there's no getting out of it. It's a word that basically means that we say what we do, and we do what we say, and everything that we do and say in this world actually matters. We've come to a place in our country now where we expect that most people are just lying to us all the time. Our president is lying. All the time. So it was the last one. And the one before that. And the one before that. Our media is lying to us. They have a, a, a credibility rating, I think, in the teens. I think it might be 12 in our own lives. Maybe our spouse is lying, or we're lying to our, sp- our spouse, or worse yet, and this happens to all of us from time to time, we lie to ourselves. And with all of this lying, truth no longer matters. But you cannot have society or a civilization without truth. So much in America is utterly meaningless. It's why our kids are killing themselves. It's why people are losing hope. Because nothing's real. Nothing's authentic. I can't... Trust anything. And if that's the way it is and everything is meaningless, then why go on? I think people are starving for something real. They're starving for the truth. And I've only found that in one place. And it's not politics. It's not my job. It's not the things that make me happy. It's not the things that I have. It's none of that, really. The only meaning that really lasts for me, the only thing that grows deeper and more meaningful. My wife, my children, my relationships. The opportunity for each of us to be who we are, who we were born to be. You know, we throw words around like freedom and liberty. What does that mean? Honestly, Oh, we're, we're freedom. What does that mean? To me, it means opportunity to speak, to worship, to live, to work and better myself and our children's lives. We wrote them down in this country as rights. And we also said they come from God. All of the things that have any meaning at all, all come from God. They're all eternal. If you're doing something today and it doesn't have any connection to the eternal, why are you doing it? Or if you're doing something that doesn't have any connection to the eternal, then why don't you pause before you do it and find the connection? Because that's the only thing that you're going to do today that will last and be meaningful. All these truths that we now deny are eternal. And that is why we're in this epic battle of good versus evil now. This is why we, thank God, peacefully fight today. And nobody's articulating this. We're fighting against something every day. It's all oh, I can't believe it. You, 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 you. I'm so sick and tired of it. I'm honestly just tired of it. I'm not gonna fight against anything anymore. And I don't think I ever really have, but I don't vocalize it enough. I'm not fighting against. I am fighting for the things that we used to find self-evident. I'm fighting for the truth. And sometimes that comes at a high cost. Sometimes the truth really hurts. But it will set you free. I'm desperate for something that actually matters and i I have to tell you i'm gonna vote i recommend everybody i'll go in my car and i'll i'll rent a bus if i have to and i'll pick people up and take them to the polls so they can honestly and legally vote but that doesn't give me enough meaning i'm going to tell you a couple of stories today we have a couple of guests today i would ask that you would listen to the entire podcast Because we're going to do something in 40 days from now. And I'm starting today, 40 days, 40 nights before, because I want you to truly understand what I'm going to ask you to do in 40 days. I take this topic extraordinarily seriously, but please know I don't take myself seriously in this. I mean, I'm an alcoholic DJ, That's what I I mean. That's who I am. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a scholar. I am certainly no moral authority. I'm not here to convert you to preach or drill down on doctrine. It's none of that. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm an American that sees the revolution has come to us, it's already begun. I pray for you every day before the show. I ask God, tell me what people need. Tell me what, what you need. How can I help you? How can I serve you? And so today I begin something that nobody in their right mind would do. I'm responding to an answered prayer. And I'm going to do something that uh, all business and logic and reason would say, that's not going to work. But everything eternal tells me, please join me on this journey. More in a minute. Bet you didn't know that October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Now, there's something eternal, huh? There's something you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't get the calendar. Uh, here's the thing. Cyber criminals uh, are are pretty crafty. Uh, usually wearing their underpants, and mom's making them cupcakes upstairs. They're in the basement. They're like, oh, "I'll go screw with people's lives." Do not, do not uh, allow just because you didn't, you know, take care of simple things. Don't let somebody just destroy your life and steal your identity. Everything you have is online at any given time. Don't wait for it to to go away before you start protecting yourself. It's important to understand cybercrime and how identity theft are affecting our lives every day, and it's only going to get worse. And it's equally important to realize there are measures you can take that will help keep it from happening. Nobody can stop all of it. But having LifeLock by Norton installed can save you a ton of money and a real hassle. So I want you to go to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. You'll get 25% off. 800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, lifelock.com, promo code back for 25%. That's 1-800-LIFELOCK, promo code back 10 seconds, station ID. So, you know, we have a flaw in America, uh, at least in the last hundred or so years, and that is... We're a nation that was built on the Judeo-Christian principles. And nobody ever really had a problem with that. But we took one of our responsibilities. If you're going to have rights, you have responsibilities. And if you're going to say freedom of speech and freedom for religion, then you need to let other people worship and pray and do what they do. And you have to be like, dude, I think, you know, I I mean— Praying mantis is not what you think, but I mean, that's what you want to do with the bug. Okay, We have a responsibility to do that. But what has happened is we have it has been weaponized against us to where we said we're not going to talk about religion and politics. No, no, don't say a word. No, say a word. And I know it's uncomfortable in public because it's personal to all of us. I'm not saying, you know what, Sally, you are a sinner and you're going to burn in hell. I mean, I am struggling today. I am struggling today and I need God. It leaves us out of our comfort zone when we speak. But if we're speaking love, healing, forgiveness, perhaps the most important today of all, truth, speak it with boldness. Let everybody point and laugh if they're going to. I don't think they will. Stand alone if you must. But know this, there are more for us than there are against us. And they're not really for us, they're for God. God's not on our side. We have to work to be on his how many times have we worked to be on God's side it's not about politics it's not about parties it's about truth and the first truth is who are you who do you answer to who is your God if Americans would just answer those ponder them for a week Answer those three questions, the world would change tomorrow. Who am I? There's lots of ways you can describe yourself. And people describe themselves all the time. I'm nobody. I'm worthless. I just keep making mistakes. I can't make it. You're describing those are all lies. Those are all lies you're telling yourself. That's not who you are. If God is our Father, And God has a kingdom. That means he's a king, which makes you a prince or a princess. Which means you're in a royal line that has powers. And he's given them all to you. And he wants to give everything to you. Just like every dad does. But you keep talking yourself out of it. Because I can't face him. I made too many mistakes. Wait, what? That's one of his first principles. I'm okay. I, I sent you down there. I knew you were going to make mistakes. I knew it. That's why, that's why I gave you this gift. All you have to do is just go, gosh, I'm sorry. God never gives up on any of us. Any of us. I'm bringing in a guy next to... Everybody thinks, oh my gosh, he's such a great guy. Boy, what a, what a good man that is. Really? He's just put a new, new book out. He was here a couple of months ago where he's like, yeah, I had a drinking problem spiraling out of control and everybody thought I had it in order. Listen to the wisdom of the people who have been there and put that one piece in place first. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. You know, you might think you know great pillows. You might even consider yourself a pillow expert. <laughs> well, unless you've known Mike Lindell's My Pillow 2.0, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're in a 101 pillow class. This is the smoothest, coolest pillow, not like, hey man, that's cool, like cool, temperature wise, you're ever going to own. So you're going to rest even more comfortably than before normally a queen size my pillow is 2.0 A uh, 2.0 is about 80 bucks for a limited time when you go to mypillow.com use the promo code beck you can get that my pillow 2.0 for 39 bucks that's 40 dollars and a penny off this pillow comes with a 10-year warranty 60-day money-back guarantee but let's face it you're not going to need it because they're great but if you don't like it send it back no big deal MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener's special square to get the queen size MyPillow 2.0 for $39.99 and the king size only $10 more. It's time you see for yourself how great this new pillow really is.
1: 800-966-3117. MyPillow.com. Promo code BECK. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn and subscribe today. You'll save 10 bucks by using the promo code Glenn.
0: You and I are an awful lot alike. We both worry about a future when we all feel like we have nothing to rely on. We we don't know where to turn because nothing is real, nothing is solid. Hey, where are you going? What are you doing with your money? You know, I saw the stock market's going down, Bitcoin's going down. Where are you putting your money? I don't know. You know, gold's a pretty good idea. Yeah, really? Is it? Because I think I read some places, the deeper you bury it, the more it'll slip through your fingers. I mean, I... I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. Everything that I thought was solid is now liquid. When our money, our food, our government, our culture has let us all down, what then? The only reason that I'm not in a ditch somewhere or in total despair is because of two things. My wife, who taught me about God. And I know that God isn't going to let me down. And I need that. And it's not that he. It's not like you know, Glenn. Now you know you'd say you're a Christian, so now everything's going to be good. It's not like that at all. I need to know that God is there. But when things go poorly, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do," and everything is like all of a sudden like a black abyss, you're like, "Wait a minute! I, uh, I'm a Christian. Remember, I'm a Christian." That doesn't work that way. When you really become mature in your faith, you know when things go poorly, it's not that just this too will pass. Ah, shut up with that. I hurt. But what gives you hope is that you know even the worst stuff that you've done or experienced is going to be used in miraculous ways. You just got to get out of the way because Glennon ain't all about you. And I hate that. It's about eternal truths a guy who has been up and down and down at his highest point uh max lucado is uh with us hello max how are you
2: man I ju- you can keep talking all day glenn <laughs> I- I, I I wanted to shout amen a few times but mm. I didn't know if I would interrupt you. <laughs> you're 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 right on target, my friend. It Thank is, you. How that do difference. how
0: how do we convince people who have not experienced cuz I know you have, Max. You've experienced the the reassurance, the knowingness that God's got you either way and no matter what happens. It's like I I can look at death and somebody dying and go, not that, you know, the, the the normal, oh, well, they're in a better place. I know that. But actually having faith, I'm going to see them again. It's all going to be good. Mm-hmm. How do you and, teach that?
2: Yeah, yeah and, and it needs to be taught because we're living in a day of despair. Um, did you know the suicide rate in America has increased 24% since 1999? You know, if a disease saw a 24% spike, we would call it an epidemic. Yes, we would. So how, how, how do we explain the increase? I mean, we've never been more educated. We have tools of technology our parents would only dream of. We're saturated with entertainment and recreation, and yet more people are orchestrating their own deaths than ever. And I think the answer is people are dying for lack of hope. You know, secularism just sucks the hope out of the heart. It, it it the idea that there is no God, or if there is a God, He's distant. That secularistic viewpoint or worldview reduces the world to just a few decades on Earth, just that dash between the dates on the uh, gravestone, and people believe that this world is as good as it gets. And let's face it, it's not that good. But people of the promise, people who begin to build their lives on the promises of God have a huge advantage, and that is when problems surface, they, they can be heard telling themselves, but I read something in the scripture, or but God told me, or but I know that God got me through this before. They, they make a deliberate choice to build their lives on the promises of God not the circumstances of life, and uh, as a result, they have a leg up. They have they have a they they have an advantage. They have an inside track uh, because they lift up their eyes and they get hope, find hope outside of this world. So I'm I'm all over what you're saying, Glenn. Thank you so much for saying
0: it. So, um, you know, I just remembered Ben Sherwood is a friend of mine. He used to be a producer at ABC, and that's when I got to know him. And then he eventually ended up being the head of ABC for a while, or ABC Disney, I think. Um, and he wrote a book called The Survivor's Club. And what it what he found in this, and he wasn't taking it from a, uh, you know, spiritual point of view when he started the book. He wasn't looking for something. He wanted to know, what do all survivors have in common? And he found Survivor's have hope in God, and if they have that hope, no matter how bad it gets, they survive when most don't. Absolutely, <laughs> that that narrows it
2: down right there. And one one of the great discoveries that people who who uh, attempt to find faith discover. Is that we have a God who makes promises and who keeps promises, and understanding um, how, how our God is a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God is uh, just such a source of strength. Uh, I, I read one one person who spent a year and a half attempting to tally up the number of promises that God made to humanity. His list. 7487 promises. Promises about fear, promises about sin, promises about death, promises about uh provision, just every single area of life. God has spoken a promise. He's spoken a promise.
0: So give we, us a, give, give us some examples used, of of promises right? that he has kept.
2: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh when he created the earth, uh, he said, and God said, Genesis chapter one says, and God said, and God said, and God said, and every time God said something, something happened. So when God speaks, that is uh, a decree. It's not a desire. It's a decree. And because our God keeps his promises, the fact of the matter is He his promises are irre- irrevocable because he's unchanging, he's not victimized by moods or weather, he's faithful, he's strong, he never over promises and under delivers. Uh, Romans 4.21 says God is able to do whatever he promises. Hebrews 6.18 says it's impossible for God to lie. Doesn't say it's unlikely that God will lie or improbable, but it is impossible. He cannot lie. A rock cannot swim, a hippo cannot fly, a butterfly cannot eat a bowl of spaghetti. Well, I can't sleep on the cloud, and God cannot lie. So so he never exaggerates. He never manipulates. He never flatters. He just doesn't break promises. And
0: we're seeing so, promise. I know you, you gave a uh, speech for um, one one for Israel Ministries, and you said promises God made to Israel thousands of years ago are being fulfilled in our generation. Most people are not no- – that's not making news. Can you give us an example of the promises there that are coming true. Exactly.
2: Well, God promised Abraham uh, seed and soil. He said, Through your seed or through your lineage, the entire world would be blessed. And boy, is, is that not a it's true. promise that's been kept? Yes. I
0: mean, look, we have the we have the Bible, <laughs> we have the we have the church, we have Jesus Christ. I think we have Uh, much reason from the Jews as well, the way they study and debate and wrestle, and I think that stands out. And look at all the Nobel Prize winners that are Jewish. Yeah,
2: it's just the most extraordinary nation uh, in history, and they're the only nation who has had their land taken from them and then returned to them. And that's the second part of that promise, and that is soil. God promised Abraham uh, a region, a territory. And in 1948, uh, when they were reinstated or when they were regathered to their homeland, I think we saw one of the greatest miracles in all of history. And for centuries, theologians would read those promises and say, well, God can't keep that one. In fact, I think one of the reasons that uh, anti-Semitism got uh, so much fuel in the fire is because people thought, well, God made a promise to the Jews and he's not going to keep it. But then in 1948, he kept it. It's just extraordinary. Oh, it's a it super is. sign that uh, God keeps, keeps his promises, and, and he'll continue to keep those
0: promises. So I'm starting today a 40-day devotional series that will teach biblical uh, covenants. That I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's the only way uh, to combat total despair uh, and also to restore our nation. We have to, we have to turn towards, uh, towards that. Um, yes, sir. Any thought on explaining a covenant and and how it can be uniquely used to hold our country together?
2: Well, God makes unilateral and bilateral covenants. Uh, he made a unilateral covenant with Abraham, the one that we just spoke. Uh, he made a bilateral uh, covenant with Adam and Eve, and they broke it you know, he said, "There, you, you can have all of this creation, all of this paradise, just don't eat from that one tree. And that was an agreement. They, you, you know, their lives and all of human history would have been different had they honored that covenant. And so it is with us today. Uh, God makes covenants with us. And he talks to us about the value of life, about respecting one another. And these are conditional covenants. And if we break those covenants, if we violate, then there's consequences. Not that he doesn't love us, but he is a good father, and the good father says, here's where, here's the path you should walk, and if you get off of it, it's not going to be pleasant.
0: Right. Not so not as a punishment, punishment, but as a, a natural consequence. consequence. Yes.
2: Natural consequence. Yeah. And what you're urging us to do is go back to these basic covenants. And uh, and and when we do, and if we do, if we repent and turn and turn back to God, then we can expect blessings. But if we continue to isolate God or shove God out, uh, there will be burdens. It's it's really just that simple.
0: Max, my friend, I I would be remiss if I didn't say hello from my sister. She is you are just a giant in her in her spiritual life and. And uh, mine as well. And I just love you so much. Thank you, Max. Thank you, my friend. You, I appreciate man. it. And go get them. You're doing <laughs> the right thing. Uh, Max Lucado, he has uh, got a new book out, God Never Gives Up On You. Uh, and he also has his free online Bible study starting October 23rd. You can find everything at maxlucato.com. That's maxlucato.com. <laughs> Considering how much the value of your dollar is going down day by day, it's got to be huge relief when you can find something that doesn't seem to cost too much. It's one of the reasons I really love CarShield and what they're doing right now. You don't have to worry about how much it's going to cost you if your car breaks down because CarShield allows you to lock in the price of your coverage plan. When you enroll with CarShield, you're getting protection plans that start as low as $100 a month. Flexible month-to-month coverage, choice of ASE certified mechanic, 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance, complimentary towing and rental car options. You also get no long-term contracts. Car Shield. Most importantly of all, with the whole inflation problem, you get a price lock guarantee. Your price will never go up no matter how many claims you file, no matter how much mileage you put on your car, and no matter what inflation is doing a price lock guarantee car shield 800-227-6100 800 227 carshield.com slash beck
1: the glenn Beck program Most people have no idea that there is an invisible gap in their home's protection. Your home and your equity are at risk. This invisible threat is the theft of your house. This is from FBI Crime Stories. Uh, I quote, Con artists pick a house. It can be a vacation home, a rental property, or the home someone is living in right now. They transfer the deed of the house into their name by obtaining forms using fake IDs and filling out the paperwork with the proper authorities. Now they own the home. Once the step is complete, uh, they can really take out loans using your home as collateral. They can go as far as making you, uh, selling the home out from under you. You get evicted, all this stuff. It's not a joke. It's really serious. And home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. If you're thinking to yourself right now, I I don't even know where my home's title is. Why would you know? Who would know? Um, Well, you're very normal. That doesn't make you weird. But I will say you're also the type of person that cyber criminals are interested in. Uh, So Home Title Lock is here. Uh, They can protect you from this. They have options available to you. can save you a whole lot of hassle and heartache. Uh, Protect your home right now from uh, this invisible gap in your home's protection. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code BECK. They will send you a complete scan of your home's title, and the first 30 days of triple lock protection is free. HomeTitleLock.com with the code BECK, HomeTitleLock.com. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're
0: here. Uh, today, I, I, uh, we're starting something that uh, we'll take offline for 40 days, 40 nights. I ask you to join me with this, and in 40 days, we're going to do another show um, on the covenant. We're going to ask you to participate in something. But it's not about theology. It's not really about religion. It's not about agreeing on doctrine. Today, in fact, isn't even about thinking at all. We need to think better in America. Yes. But we need to act better in America. We need to agree on what it looks like to be a child of God, how we treat each other, what we do to each other. We could all run around agreeing in our minds about God, but if we're still unjust, cruel, hateful, untruthful, hopeless, then we're part of the problem. We're not really we're not really God's kids we have to figure out how we want to live and then stand up for those things instead of fighting against let's fight for the things that we know are true that's what today is all about today's the launch of a 40-day 40-night devotional about what it means when god makes a covenant how do we join how do we keep it what if we break it and most importantly what does god want me to do You may not be a God person. You may be somebody who's like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I believe there's a God, but that's not all for me. I ask you to join us. Just join us. Nobody's going to jam religion down your throat. Just join us. We have the uh, kind of a a step-by-step, I guess you would call it devotional. I hate that word. Um, But that's what it is. It's a step-by-step kind of how-to And it's titled, The First 40 Days, Seek God and Restore Everything. So the first five days, because there's one for every day, and we're going to release them on Mondays, so you'll have enough from, you know, Monday to Sunday, and then every Monday we'll release the next week. The first five days, which will take you to Monday, are already available at glenbeck.com slash first 40. That's glenbeck.com slash first four zero. Uh, and you you find it right on the front page of glenbeck.com. Look for the pilgrims or something cool like that. 40 days, 40 nights to prepare us to come back to God. And at the end of 40 days, all of us who have gone through and searched and, and maybe you don't have anything to work on. I got a ton. I could use maybe, I mean, I'm going to get to the end and go, can I have an extra 10 days? It has to be done now. Okay. Um, we're going to do something special together and ask you to participate. And it doesn't happen without you. Please do it with a friend, get a group together, talk to your church, do it solo if you need to. But let's go through these 40 days together. Glennbeck.com slash first 40. Glennbeck.com slash first 40. Rough Greens, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks well that may be but sometimes you can make them happier and healthier and that's what happened to my dog uno when we started feeding him rough greens first of all pickiest eater ever had to hand feed the dog it was like yeah uh, excuse me uh sir it's time for your meal you can eat it right out of my hand because that's the only way you'll eat it uh and it was uh, okay eat your food and uh and he would never gain any weight or anything we put rough greens on his food. I just wanted him to eat, and he did. It, they love it, and it also is really good for him. And vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, all the stuff that's good for you that your wife is always like, eat your greens, and you're like, oh, I don't eat my greens. Well, this is rough greens, except they're greens you just sprinkle on, and it's easy, and you like it. Try it out with your dog. You'll see what I mean. They'll like it, and you'll see. I, I, at least I did. Stu did. Pat did. Huge difference in your dog. Roughgreens, greens.com slash beck, roughgreens.com slash beck, 833-G-L-E-N-N-33, 833-G-L-E-N-N-33. Get your free trial pack now. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Today is a special, different show. We'll be back to regular programming tomorrow, but today is a day that we learn what really can save America. I don't know about you, but the last few weeks have just been brutal on me. It's like every day the news comes out and you're like, oh, well, that's good. That happened. And you start to get to the place where you like have no hope. Too late. Did you see what Newsweek printed yesterday? Newsweek printed the DOJ is making a list of all of the Donald Trump supporters because they're saying they're going to be the ones that cause violence in the next 12 months. And they're trying to figure out, this is in Newsweek, and they're trying to figure out, how do we, how do we, how do we name these people without saying that we're just targeting people who are voting for one particular candidate? You don't, because in America, we don't make those kinds of lists, dummies. And so you hear this and you're like, how are you, what are I mean, how's that gonna, what what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I'm trying to pay the bills. They're targeting, what do I do? do?" Today, we have a real answer. We begin in 60 seconds. First, out of the terrible tragedy of 9-11 came the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which is committed to helping our nation's heroes and their families in their darkest hours. Tunnel to Towers is there to support families and first responders and veterans. And when they don't come home or they're severely injured in the line of duty, the foundation will pay off their mortgage and lift their financial burdens through their Gold Star Family Home Program and their Fallen First uh, Responder Program. Their Smart Home Program catastrophically injured veterans first responders they can get their independence back with a mortgage-free home that is especially adapted just to meet their unique physical needs and their homeless veteran program you know we have 35,000 veterans that are currently living on the street it is it's reprehensible but if we want the government to do less means we should do more and these people They guard. 95% of every dollar goes right directly to help these guys. It's a great charity. I want you to check it out for yourself. But I really like the Tunnel to Towers people and their cause and the way they run things. T2T.org. T, the number two T, dot org. OK, uh, today we're going to talk about something called the covenant, um, because in 40 days we are going to do another special show. It will be right before Thanksgiving. And our pilgrims made a covenant. Our our uh, founders made a covenant. Our General George Washington, as he became president on that first day, he prayed for hours in Lower Manhattan, after he took the oath of office and he made a covenant. Abraham Lincoln made one after Gettysburg. We are a covenant nation, and there's all kinds of uh, different covenants that you can read about, but this one is very, very specific. And I'm sorry, but I, I'm out of... I can give you a lot of small answers. Hey, go out and vote. And that's really important, because if we don't go out and vote, we, we were. I mean... Go out and monitor your voting uh, spaces because I do think uh, something fishy. you got to do all of those things, but those are the small things. We've forgotten the principles, the bedrock. Those things are the ones that we really have to work on if we want to save ourselves and save our families and save our country. Michaela is um, a—how long have you worked for me, Michaela?
3: almost two years wow is that right Um, i think yeah i think
0: it is i think it is michaela is uh kind of a special programming producer at times i assign her with she's the happiest person i've ever met she's also one of the most deeply spiritual people i've ever met and she's always in our meetings when we're talking about death and destruction and she's like she'll wear like a no, nah, I was going to say a rainbow shirt, but not like that, like a Noah rainbow <laughs> shirt. And she'd be like, but hey, we still have each other. And you're like, shut up, Taylor." <laughs> anyway, so I assigned this to you, I don't know how long ago, uh, a couple of months ago, Maybe. at least. And, um, and so explain what a covenant is, because there's, look, give me the historic, there's like four historic covenants, yes. right? Yes,
3: so a covenant is it sounds like this big biblical spiritual word but it's not in the past people are making covenants all the time it's just simply a pact or a treaty between two parties with mutual expectations so you and i could make a covenant right now over something mm-hmm. over anything two tribes could make a covenant kings could make a covenant but in the bible which as you said i'm pretty obsessed with in the bible god makes covenants with his people so those are very special much more serious covenants
0: yeah because we live in a, in a place you make a marriage covenant yes okay uh and we're like oh i just get out of that no no consequence um, i mean there are all kinds of natural consequences especially if you have children um but this is different a covenant with god Mm-hmm. Is one that kind of has some serious consequences.
3: It's eternal. It's not. It's not a pinky promise. You don't want to try to.
0: He's got a mighty big pinky. (laughs) Right. You Uh, don't want to try to get out of this. Okay. So give me the historic ones from the Bible. So
3: in the Bible, you don't make a covenant. You don't seal a covenant. The word in Hebrew is you cut a covenant. So like you cut a deal. The same kind of phrasing. Because of this kind of spooky ancient ritual where you would take an animal, kill it. Cut up its parts, divide them into a kind of pathway, and the two people making the covenant would walk down the path together. That's how they'd ratify the covenant.
0: I would just like to say that's how I. Anybody who thinks they have it bad, (laughs) you're living at a time we don't do that.
3: No, we pinky promise.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey. Bring your dog over, too. I got a deal to make with you. (laughs) Holy cow.
3: So that gives you an idea of the gravity of it. There was this kind of bloody, costly process. So you didn't just trivially make promises with people. And you didn't trivially make promises with God. God actually even uses that ritual in the Bible, in this passage with Abraham that seems so spooky. But when you understand at the time... Everyone was making covenants. Because
0: he, he made one when Abraham was asleep.
3: Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So the Abrahamic covenant is called an unconditional covenant, which means that God makes it with himself and you're the beneficiary of it.
0: I love that kind of covenant. Yeah, that's
3: the kind we all want. I'm open for
0: that. <laughs> yes. I'm open. There's a few of those. The one with yeah.
3: Noah's like that, which is we're never going to flood the earth again, no right. matter how bad we are, because if not, you can imagine we'd have a flood again by now for sure. <laughs> There'd be a couple of <laughs> yeah. floods, but luckily yeah. there's not any because God promised there's not going to be any. Same with Abraham. He puts Abraham to sleep and he sends this flaming cauldron and this torch through the animal parts instead of Abraham. And that sounds so spooky in Harry Potter-like, right? But it's actually <laughs> not. It is, and it is a little Harry Potter-esque, yeah, but yeah. what it is is a visual representation of the fact that Abraham's just a beneficiary of this covenant. He's not even walking through it. Abraham's passed out, right? Mm-hmm. And what you, what you learn in, in those is that God is faithful. I mean, what makes, I, I know you said I'm so dorky about this, Glenn, but what makes covenants cool to me, and that, <laughs> wow, you don't expect that <laughs> sentence to come out of your mouth. Yeah. See. no it's just you were talking about this glenn like well i believe god is real and that's what makes me wake up every morning is because i believe that god's real and i believe that god wants all of us to be doing his will that he has a plan all of us have a purpose in this life i really believe that and and i think if we do that that life will be better and i don't mean just like superficially better i mean that life will be more meaningful
0: i have to tell you i uh I've learned so much in my life and one is what's important. Yeah. And I remember I was in my twenties and I was very wealthy and, uh, you know, I didn't, I did not grow up wealthy. I just got into radio when I was very young and then I was, you know, somewhat successful. And so in the 1980s, you know, I was making lots of money and most of it went to cocaine. Um, but, but, I became my job, I became my car, Mm. I became those things. And I remember I lost my job and the last thing to go was my car was repossessed and I cried. I cried as that thing was going away. And now I have nice things, but if it all goes away, I don't really, it's okay. It's all right. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's nice to have, but it's not, that's not where my happiness is.
3: I was never addicted to cocaine but <laughs> i
0: <laughs> i didn't say i was addicted oh, to cocaine. i'm sorry
3: I, I i'm not i've never yeah. been a cocaine user yes but i think i told you this glenn <laughs> when i i interviewed that i had a period of time in my life i was really sick and that's when i had a similar i think to how your addiction i felt like i hit a kind of rock bottom being very ill for over a couple of years and that's yeah. when i was like you know what i have to have god i have to have him and that's what's turned me into this really happy person it wasn't Everybody thinks I just was like born. I have a feeling you
0: have a little of that in you. (laughs)
3: Yeah. And so I I got sick for a while and God was there the whole time when I I could have been mourning about something physical in my body. Right. But I had God. And so these these covenants that make me excited is because they don't just teach us about God, but they, they teach you what God wants from you. So when we're all walking around, like, what should I do with my life? It's like, look, read it right here. You want a purpose. You want something to do, which we all do. I know we do. You can read it right there. You can read it and find out the purpose of your whole life.
0: So, so wait a minute. Let's go back to Abraham. Yeah. Let just uh, seal this up here. Yes. So he's, this is the only time a story includes a guy who's passed out <laughs> with animal parts all around him and flaming torches. And he doesn't wake up, you know, with the police knocking at the door going, uh, dude. And he's like, I don't know. These animals weren't here when I went to sleep. Uh, so th- it turns out well for him. Mm-hmm. But that's a that is a unconditional. Yes. There are tr- conditionals. And that's the ones that George Washington and yes. our pilgrims and, and, and um, Abraham Lincoln made.
3: These are the most common. They're if then covenants. Yes. If you obey, you'll be blessed. If you disobey, you'll be cursed. If you drop, if you jump off a cliff, then you'll die. These are the kind <laughs> right. of. This that's is a, a good
0: one. That's a yes. good. I didn't. I haven't read that in my Bible, but that's a good one. Should be in there.
3: Well, so and that's they set up a natural law, like the founders right. talk about. That if you. If you lie, your life will become extremely complicated. Yes. Or if you become addicted to something, your life will become complicated. He's, yes. he's trying to warn you. God is trying to warn you about the natural consequences, but there yeah. are rules to stay in these kind of covenants. So the covenant with Moses, when the 10 commandments come down, that's yeah. a conditional covenant. Because God's saying, you got to hold on to these principles. There are, every covenant comes with a sign. We have the rainbow mm-hmm. that promises us for the Abrahamic covenant variant theme. It was circumcision. And then the sign of The covenant with Moses is obedience. So say you go to a town and everyone in the town is a murdering liar, except for one guy. You know that one guy is in covenant with God. And you can tell because you look at him and he's not a murdering liar. (laughs) Maybe he's honest and he's truthful and he's good and compassionate, all of the fruits of the spirit. That's how you can tell somebody Mm -hmm. is in covenant with God, which is the benefit to people who don't believe in God when people believe in God if you really practice it out. Because you You will be the one person who has not become dishonest, hopefully, if you hold on to these,
0: or you're just really good at conning people.
3: that's an alternative Being as well like,
0: yeah, I mean, you could try. I think God will figure it out, but <laughs> yes <he> uh, will. <laughs> okay so and and it's important when you say, you know, because God's cursed you, it yeah. sounds like witchcraft, and it's not it's it is natural consequences. it is like you know it's like when your your mom or dad said, "Hey, don't touch the stove." And you're like,
1: "Oh yeah."
0: Oh! <laughs> Mom and dad didn't make you burn yourself. They were just warning you. Don't don't do it's going to leave a mark. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Okay, more in just a second. Stand by. Um by the way, we're starting a 40-day, 40 40-night 40 um I don't know, learning program. Uh, devotional or education uh, program for the next 40 days, 40 nights, because we're going to ask you uh, just a few days before Thanksgiving to stand together, stand together as church, your office, your friends, your family, stand together with us on the air and uh, we will make a, we will renew the American covenant. It has to be done. It has first things first, first principles first and you can find out uh, about all of it at glenbeck.com slash first40, first40. glenbeck.com. American Financing, NMLS, 1 82334, www.nmls, consumer access. It's funny because I, I was just thinking that very thing and I thought. I wish I had somebody to say all of those numbers and stuff that are so important to my life. Getting out of debt has always been important, um, but getting, it's becoming critical right now. Whatever is coming down the pike at us, it is zero to 60 in 1.3. It is, it's coming here fast, and you don't want to be saddled with debt when it gets here, especially the credit card debt. You know, your house debt is one thing, but credit card debt, when you're paying 25%, 20% interest, it's crippling. That's why American Financing is here. They do home loans and mortgages and everything else, but they're a different kind of company. They work for you. None to be, nobody is on uh, any kind of incentive program. You know, uh, this, uh, this home loan uh, program really kind of sucks, but screw them. We're going to get bonuses. They don't do any of that. And they're saving the average person that calls in about $700 every month. And if you can get that credit card down from 20%, uh, 25% down to 7 and you make it all tax deductible, the savings really go a long way. American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440. It's AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. So I want to bring in uh, Bill Cloud. Who's Bill Cloud? I know he's been on the program, but you are—you love Bill.
3: Yes, I am a major fan. Bill Cloud is the founder of Shoresheen Ministries, and he's the leader of Jacob's Tent Fellowship in Tennessee.
0: Bill, welcome back to the program. Been a long time. It has been a little while, but yeah. thank you, Glenn. You bet. So, um, Bill, let's, let's talk about the covenant, and if we can put it into perspective of why... It's important today in America for Americans to do this. Do you think you could you could explain that?
4: Well, I'm um, going to go back to something Michaela said earlier. You know, when there's these different covenants that people make with one another, but in the Bible, you know, it's it's a lot heavier than that. And I want to go back to the idea of the the cutting because blood is involved. You know, when you have a covenant in the Bible, almost always you're going to see blood. And the importance of that is because life is in blood. And so, biblically speaking, when you make a covenant with God, or when God makes a covenant with you, it's it's basically saying your lives are intertwined with one another. And so in a national context, if we believe that we as a nation are in covenant with God, then our national life is dependent on that relationship with God. And so it's not a good thing when we say we, we don't want God in school, we don't want God in this, we don't want God in the town square. Um, that's going to have a, uh, a very, you know, uh, there's going to be consequences of that. And so Americans need to be reawakened to, you know, we just don't use God when we want him and then throw him out when we don't need him or we don't think we need him. You know, this is an everyday thing, and our lives are intertwined with this relationship we have with God. So it's, you know, that's a very basic idea, I guess. But when we tell God we don't want him, there is this risk that he's going to say, okay, you're going to turn away from me, I'll turn away from you.
0: Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we know how well, for those of us who are a little older maybe and remember America as, as she was, we have been greatly, greatly blessed. We're still blessed um, to even be standing at this point. Um, and it feels as though lately that uh, evil is just permeating everything. It's not that we've just said, hey, we're not interested in you. We're actually doing things now uh, as a slap in his face, I think. Yes.
4: Yeah, it's, it's like poking him in the eye and saying, I dare you to do anything. Um, and there is a, a lot of history in the Bible where Israel, who was in covenant with God, by the way, my opinion, there are two unique nations in the history of the world. Yes. Israel because god made a covenant he asked israel to enter into covenant with him the other being the united states of america because we ask him to enter into covenant with us and you you've already mentioned several people in american history who you know reaffirmed that and and by the way in in hebrew the name for the united states is HaBrit, which means the land of the covenant so there's all these things that Kind of underscore the idea that America is unique in that we are in covenant with the God of the Bible, and so then, when we break that covenant, when we if we decide nationally to turn our backs to him, then there is the risk that he turns his face from us, removes his presence from us. And then that allows another presence, one that wants to steal, wants to yeah. kill, wants to destroy, and that's what I believe, Glenn. We're seeing beginning, you know. well, oh, yeah. It's been, it's been going on for a while, but now it's you know it's really gaining traction. Yeah. And uh, we're at a tipping point, it seems.
0: Um, all right, hang on just a second, uh, Bill. Bill Cloud joins us. Um, we're going to continue our conversation here in in just a minute. Uh, by the way, I've asked. Congress to pass the same covenant with that Abraham Lincoln passed in the 1850s. No one, no one would take it to the floor. No one would take it to the floor. That's how off the path
1: we are. The Glenn Beck Program.
0: All righty. Have you fed your dog yet today? How did he or she like it? How much nutritional value was in that? Or is it like, is it like, you know, Fruit Loops. If you're giving your dog uh, kibble food, it's worse than Fruit Loops. Uh, it's It doesn't have a lot of the stuff in it that your dog needs because they cook it all out. They have to sterilize it so it can sit on a shelf for two years. Um, and so they, you know, they do spray on the flavor afterwards. So maybe your dog loves it. But it's missing, you know, all of the healthy things that your dog needs. The probiotics, which are alive, all of these things, the vitamins and minerals, you can get them now by sprinkling them on your dog's food, whatever you're feeding them, with rough greens. It's really, really good for your dog. Folks at Rough Greens are so confident your dog is going to love it that they'll give you a special deal right now. They'll send your first trial bag for free. Just see if your dog likes it. 833-G-L-E-N-N. 833-G-L-E-N-N-33, 833-Glenn33, or roughgreens.com slash back. You get the first bag
1: free. Just pay for shipping. It's blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. There you can save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV.
0: America has always fought itself. Are we from Jamestown? Are we the pilgrims? Are we from those people that came here from religious persecution or those who came and persecuted people uh, by taking them from Africa or persecuting people here? That has been the great debate. I choose to follow the pilgrims path. Let me take you back to 1630. It's a group of families... They just finished making a compact or covenant. They're aboard the ship named the Arabella. This is the future Massachusetts Bay Colony. It's right in the distance. And John Winthrop delivers a speech that everybody used to know. He said, Thus stands the cause between God and us. We are entered into a covenant with Him for this work. We've taken out a commission. The Lord has given us leave to draw our own articles, to make our own promises, to make our own laws. Now, if the Lord shall please to hear us and bring us in peace to the place we desire, then he has ratified this covenant and sealed our commission. Now, think of that. The survival rate of people coming to the Americas was very, very low. He's saying we're making this covenant. And if the Lord will hear us and bring us peace so we can just live, then he's ratified his side of the bargain. And he will expect a strict performance of the articles and promises contained in it. But... If we shall neglect the observation of these articles and promises, and we dissemble with our God, fall into embrace this present world, and prosecute our carnal intentions, seeking great things for ourselves and our posterity, the Lord will surely break out in wrath against us, and be revenged of such people, and make us know the price of the breach of. Of such a covenant. The price. Of the breach. Of such a covenant. I know you didn't. Make a covenant. Didn't maybe didn't know. But this is a covenant land. And we are. Deep in the breach. I have Bill Cloud with me. And Bill. Uh is a bible scholar he is a a teacher an author take me to samson uh and the covenant with samson and why that's important to us
4: well before he was born and this is kind of addressing a point that you just made before he was born his mother was visited by an angel the lord said you're going to have a child And here's his purpose. He's going to begin to deliver Israel from the oppression of their enemies. And and so the very reason for Samson's existence was to bring relief to oppression. And he was to be born a Nazarite, which is a very, uh, there's some very specific uh, components of that vow that was a a nazirite would make but the point here at the beginning is his reason for existence was to, to deliver the people to bring relief from oppression and he was born into it he didn't ask to be a nazirite he didn't ask for that it was something that was decided for him what is it what
0: yeah. is a nazirite what did you have to how did you have to live if you are going to be a nazirite yeah well if you're a nazirite you're consecrated
4: you're set apart you're kind of above and beyond the rest in, in terms of your relationship with God and what he requires of you. And you couldn't, for instance, you couldn't drink wine, you couldn't partake, uh, partake of anything pertaining to the grape, you couldn't touch touch a dead body, a corpse, you'd be rendered oh, unclean. And of course, a Nazarite also could not cut their hair. And that's what probably most people associate with Samson, is his strength and the story of Delilah and the hair and everything. But he was expected to live up to the vows of the Nazarite. Of course, there's a lot of examples in the Bible where he wasn't always that good at it. He, yeah, no. he, consorted, he consorted with all these strange women. Uh, he's touching dead lions and all these kinds of things. And yet, God's Spirit would come upon him, use him to bring deliverance. However, you know, there was a point where he crossed a line, and that's, that's when he allowed Delilah to cut his hair. And how does that relate to us? The hair of a Nazarite was considered sacred. In fact, if, if, if in a normal circumstance, if a Nazarite completed a vow, he would cut his hair, and that hair would be burned on the altar. It couldn't be used for anything common because it was considered holy. The word in Hebrew that describes his hair is the same word that describes the crown of the high priest of Israel, mm. the crown that said, holy unto the Lord. Same word. So imagine a scenario where the High Priest of Israel, who is to be the mediator between god and and his people and he's to represent what is set apart in the holy, if he were to take that crown and then throw it before pagans and idolaters and let them desecrate it and trample it under feet, in essence, that's what Samson did when he allowed delilah to Delilah to cut his hair. So my point would be this, where Samson's concerned, relating it to America there's no doubt in my mind that God raised this nation up for a reason, for a purpose, and I believe it was to bring relief from oppression. You know, those people you were just talking about came Mm -hmm. to this nation to be delivered, to be free from that oppression, and to found a nation that would represent that relief from oppression. And Winthrop said, if God does this and he allows us to do that, then we will take that as evidence that he has ratified this covenant. But he has expectations. And we have not always lived up to those expectations. We have failed many times. And yet, we, we still stand reasonably strong. But here is where I believe we are at. We're at the risk of taking what is sacred, desecrating it, saying it is you know of no regard to us, And casting it down, so to speak, to be trampled underfoot by people who have no regard for God and the covenant and these kinds of things. And if we ever get to that place, if we cross that line, then what? When Samson woke up, he thought he would just go out like he'd always done. But he didn't realize that the spirit of God had departed from him. And then he was turned over to his enemies.
0: So So, so hang on just a second. So, Bill, he had, because he had violated many things and he still kept going. And it's kind of like us. We violated many things. We just kept going. Uh, But then that last straw, the sacredness of of who he was, that representation, when he (laughs) discarded it, cut it and discarded it, that's when it wasn't all of a sudden. He just didn't notice it. It wasn't because of one thing. It was many. But this was the last straw. So... If I understand your parallel correctly, at least this is the way I'm interpreting it. So I don't know. But I'm I feel like what is sacred is our our declaration of independence, our our constitution and our our place in the world. And I don't mean that, you know, we're supposed to dominate everybody. We're supposed to be a place of refuge um, and and. And law and order based on the Judeo Christian principles that we were founded on, and Absolutely. we're right. So, yeah. as we are saying, this country is nothing but garbage. This, we are cutting our hair. I would agree. I mean, those documents
4: you mentioned, they were based on those principles that we find in the Bible. I mean, Winfrey went on to say. And that uh, model of Christian charity, that if we don't keep our end of the bargain, to paraphrase, that we will become a byword and a parable. And he's quoting Moses, who was saying to Israel, if you don't uphold your end of the bargain in this covenant with God, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be turned over to your enemies because you considered what was sacred to be uh, less than you, you desired other things. You desired, you know, your flesh and your whims and you know whatever it is you wanted. You turned to those things and you cast what was sacred to the ground. So, yes, I believe that if we're not already doing it, we're we're our our head is going down into Delilah's lap,
0: so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, hang on just a sec, Bill. I want to do one more um, segment with you as we talk about the the meaning. Of the covenant, and you know i I know there'll be people that don't agree with this. this is not this is not religion; it is scriptural, um, but it 's not anybody 's faith per se it's it 's not doctrinal. Um, it is universal and eternal, and we 're supposed to take the scriptures and learn from them and see the patterns and I think that was a pretty eye opening pattern at least for me. That now is the time. We are running out of time. And if you want to save our country, then we need to change our ways immediately and do not, no. We need to stand for those things that are sacred, not just fight against those things that are evil. But stand for those things that are sacred. This has got to be about action. It has to be about how you live your life and what are you willing to say? What are you willing? Are you willing to stand up for these things? Because if we don't, we cut our hair. Taken out of context, that's the weirdest sentence I've ever said. All right. Uh, Preborn. Imagine for a moment you had it in your power to undo the worst mistake you've ever made. Would you do it? Of course you would. I mean, some of them, not all of them. This one, I mean, if it, you know the 60% of women who have had an abortion wish they had it all over to do again so they wouldn't do that? So we can't go back in time, but we can help babies be born and we can help the moms who are in crisis this is what I like about preborn so much. They don't just care about saving the life of the child. What about mom? You know, when you have all of these women, a good portion of whom do not want to get an abortion. They just feel alone. They don't feel like they have any other choice. They don't know what to do. Well, let's start here. A donation of $28 will help a woman make a choice that she won't have to regret for the rest of her life because... That $28 will buy an ultrasound so she can see the baby, hear the heartbeat. That doubles the chances that she's going to let the baby live. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword baby, pound 250, keyword baby, or donate securely at preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck, sponsored by Preborn.
1: Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program.
0: Uh, All right. We're uh, we're on with uh, Bill Cloud. And and Bill, I can't thank you enough for making time uh, to be with me today. Um, I know you're my pleasure. You're a busy man. Um, Let me let me take you to Esau, because with with uh, Samson, he was born into it and he didn't make the covenant. And I think that's the way most people will feel. I didn't make the covenant. And and so he he cheapened it. He didn't regard it. That's the same with Esau, is it not? It is.
4: It is. In fact, Esau, as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's the profile of what a um, a covenant breaker looks like. You know, someone who's born into it, you know, his grandfather's Abraham. You guys were talking about it at the very beginning of the program. He's born into this, but he has no regard for it. And so there are a lot of things that he demonstrates you know that are the attitude of people well i i wouldn't I didn't ask for this, I don't want this. it really doesn't mean anything to me. The difference I would say is that where Samson, when he's delivered over to the very people he's supposed to deliver Israel from, he's blinded, but then he begins to see you know, and the spirit of God did come back on him, but Esau he's different, he digs in his heels, he's obstinate, he's deliberate in his refusal to embrace the covenant. And so he he becomes Jacob's Israel's nemesis. And if I may, you know, you were talking, or you said something along the lines of, are we going to follow the pilgrim path, or are we going to follow the Jamestown path? Right. Interestingly enough, Jacob and Esau, it's it's kind of a, a, an example of what you're talking about. These two that were in the same womb contending with one another. Who's going to rise to the top? Who's going to lord over the other? And so that war between Jacob and Esau, I
0: see that going on in America right now. And it is uh, it is a war. You know, it's amazing. Uh, his grandfather was Abraham. It's always three generations to lose things. But Abraham is your grandfather. My grandfather was World War II. He knew what freedom meant. He knew the cost of it. And so many people my age and, and younger are like, yeah, I don't really care. My, no. my grandfather would have just, I mean, you know, he would just slap people across the face. What are you talking about? Be grateful for what you have. We fought hard for this, and now we just don't care. We just don't care.
4: Well, you know, that's basically Esau's approach to it. And yeah. you know, he goes in, and Jacob is making some food there, and Esau says, I'm really hungry. And Jacob says, well, sell me your birthright. You know, what's, what's Esau's response? What good is this thing to me? It doesn't mean anything to me. I would rather satisfy a physical appetite and give away what's sacred for what's common. And, and, And so here we are again, back at that idea that when you have someone, biblically speaking, who has no regard for what is sacred, he actually, this Esau becomes God's enemy, not just Jacob's enemy. He becomes God's enemy because he had no regard for these things that were sacred and holy. He would prefer the material wealth, you know, the stuff. We want the stuff, but we don't want the
0: responsibility that goes along with yep. the blessing. It's amazing, Bill. It's amazing. Um, Bill Cloud, thank you for being on. I'd love to have you on again uh, sometime in the next month or so as we do this 40 days and 40 nights. Thank you so much. That's uh, Bill, uh, Bill Cloud, uh, Shorsham uh, Ministries founder, also Jacob Tent, uh, Jacob's Tent. A fellowship founder. Uh, you can find him at BillCloud.org. Um, it, it's a lot to take in for for one day and one show. We're trying to explain the covenant which we believe I believe needs to be renewed by us. Um, you know I've always felt this this audience is going to be the one that saves the nation. I I, I don't know how that is going to happen but Maybe this plays a role, I don't know. Find out all about it at glennbeck.com. Glenn program. Freak, welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Today, we are st- concentrating on one topic only, and that is, what the hell is going on? We are, we everything seems to be on fire, and everything we try to do seems to only make it worse. Am I alone in that? We are looking at, we're watching the greatest country built on the greatest, most noble principles, burn itself to the ground. We are flirting with disaster. And I really truly believe, and I've said this for a long time, it's because we are just abandoning God. And we've we've done more than abandon God. We have, we're slapping him across the face every day. Get out, get out. In fact, I'm going to show you who we worship as you're walking out the door. It's bad. That doesn't end well for a nation, but it's not hopeless. You know, people will ask me, how are, th- how are things? And I, somebody asked me, Glenn, you have, you know, one sentence advice for me? And I said, yes, prepare for impact. He was like, okay, that's not going to make my night, you know, more comfortable. But, I said, there is God. And if we will just turn, there is something we can do, but we have to be willing to change our lives. So this is the beginning of a 40 day, 40 night exercise. How much are you willing to change? If you're tired of watching your country, then we all, including me, we all have to change. Americans are rejecting God. We all say, oh yeah, we love God. We lie, we cheat, we hate our neighbor. The people who say they believe in God have got to step up and live it before they talk to anybody else. We have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to love God? What does God want me to do? Why do I exist? We have a brilliant man. Normally I don't like people with five degrees, Uh, but he has five degrees and this guy is great. He's got a doctorate in philosophy from Oxford. He is the dean at Masters International Divinity School, prolific author traveling the world just talking about principles. If you like the Beatitudes, you're going to love the Beatitudes. He's going to open this up and turn it upside down. You will see the Beatitudes unlike you've ever seen it before. We go in 60 seconds. When it comes to being prepared for disasters, there's no time like right now. If God forbid you find your family in a situation where food is hard to come by, you'll be glad you got ready for it in advance. Head to MyPatriotSupply.com. Prepare today with emergency food that will stay fresh for up to 25 years. Enjoy a wide variety of delicious food kits, offering 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength under stress. And don't forget about water filtration, purification products. They're perfect for your bug-out bag, your survival supply, or your camping pack. One thing is sure, change is coming. Be ready for it. Order by three today and your items will ship that fast today mypatriotsupply.com that's mypatriotsupply.com oh skip moen is here hi skip
5: how are you (laughs) man it's a great honor to be on your program oh i was quite surprised that anyone would even ask but
0: thank you so much oh my gosh no you're i mean you're you teaching just on the uh mistranslation of the beatitudes is some of the best stuff i've ever seen so thank you so much you're I welcome appreciate that. so let's go there okay so the beatitudes they're blessings you know, if we do these spiritual things, we're going to be blessed and get some reward. Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You say, "Uh -uh." uh-uh.
5: No, no, no. the problem is of course that our idea of Beatitudes comes from the Latin translation uh, which makes it sound like a blessing but in both Greek and in Hebrew uh, the more proper translation would be lucky. And of course the Christian world, uh, Christian publishers don't like, you know, the idea of luck in a religion. So um, they don't use that. But both makarioi, which is the Greek term, and ashray, which is the Hebrew term, are all about how lucky you are when these things happen to you. It has nothing to do with you getting something. It's just a description of what it is like when you live these kinds of experiences. And of course, every one of us can identify with some of this experience because it's all as i say in my book sacred paradoxes things that are upside down that seem like the exact opposite of what they should be and god uses all of those to you know move us in his direction
0: so tell me about the word lucky here i just want to dwell on this for a second um okay. you know because i used to say oh i'm i'm so lucky and i I believe we I was in a conversation with this with a bunch of people just the other day. You know how lucky we are to live at these times because we get to see who we really can be because our back is up against the wall. So we're lucky yeah. to, to live at this time. That's different than I'm blessed. And I, yeah. I now say I'm blessed or I'm lucky and I mean two different things. Tell me, is there a difference like that in these? translations from, from Hebrew, or... Yes. Go ahead.
5: Yes, uh, actually, in the, the Hebrew, you know, Hebrew is a very tactile, earthy kind of language. It's, it's about the land, it's about the people, it's about the dirt, it's about all the things that come into life and ordinary living. So luck plays a big part of that, because good things happen, and you think, oh my gosh, how, how lucky, how blessed I am to be you know, alive during this time. When the rain comes, it's a blessing. It's also lucky, by the way, because right. it means that I'll have crops, okay? So in that sense, luck and blessing are, are pretty much the same. But that's not what happened when the translation started changing the concept of this uh, Greek and Hebrew idea. By the time you get to the Vulgate, the Latin translation, you move in the direction of a blessing given by someone else. So, for as I suggest in my book, there might be an ecclesiastical reason for this, because in, those, in ancient times, you had to go to the priest to get a blessing. And the mm. idea is that he would bless you for some spiritual you know, exercise or some attitude that you had, and you would be rewarded for that. So now you become dependent upon the religious aristocracy to give you the blessing that you need in order to survive. But that's not what the biblical text is all about. The biblical text is about how lucky you are when these really terrible things happen to you
0: okay (laughs) so so wait let me let me me just take one blessed are the poor for there's the kingdom of heaven um there's no priest there that is blessing you uh there the poor and what is the real what's the real translation is that
5: okay so um the The Greek term starts with this uh, predicate adjective, makarios, which we've translated as blessed, as though it's a verb. But it's not a verb. It's just a description of the character of a person who is, in this case, poor before God. Now, the interesting thing about that word is that there are multiple definitions for, or multiple terms in Greek and Hebrew for what poor means. And in this case, it means destitute. So it's not the day laborer. It's not the guy who, who lives from paycheck to paycheck. The idea is that the poor here is someone who's so, he's the beggar. He's the one who's laying in the street. He's so, so destitute that unless somebody comes and helps him, he's going to die. Right? So now, it, now what Jesus is saying is how lucky you are to be completely destitute, which, which seems completely backwards. But then he goes on to say the paradox is that when you're that desperate for God, God shows up. The kingdom of God arrives, right? He basically says the reason that the kingdom of God even shows up in life is because people are desperate for God. If you're not desperate, you're not going to see the kingdom. So your comment about the world is on fire is the perfect time for us to say, wait a minute. Everything is falling apart. We're in desperate situations, desperate straits. Now is the time when we should be looking for the kingdom because that's when God arrives, when people are desperate for him. When we don't need God, you know, it's like Heschel says, we, we put him in exile and then we think, oh, we can survive without him. But in fact, what actually happens is that the world starts to collapse as it is and it's done many times before, and that's when desperation takes over and that's when God starts looking to our hearts to see you know what what to do next. So, so the uh, attitude is all about that kind of thing.
0: So um, you're lucky I, and I speak as a recovering alcoholic. I look at all of the tragedies in my life and I look at them and say I, and it took me a while to get here but I look at them and go, you know if that wouldn't have happened then I wouldn't have been here and I wouldn't have been here and I wouldn't have learned that and I wouldn't have done that. Um and sure. and you can look at all of the horrible things in your life. And if you view them as a blessing or lucky would be a better word in that case, you're looking at the things that you fail, uh, and where you have really gone down to the bottom. You yeah. are lucky if you view it that way. And, yeah. and you're and yeah, you're because your heart is open now. It's not like God comes and he's like, well, I'm waiting for you to be humble, and I'm not going to show. I've got some other thing. I've got I've to play some pool at three this afternoon. He's, what he's, he's always trying to get you, but you won't listen. So you're lucky because God's there, right? The kingdom of heaven is. Isn't that the full translation? Yeah. The, the kingdom of heaven yeah. is. So he's there, but now you're open to him.
5: Yeah, now you see it. I mean, wow. look, I often say it this way, the best resume you can have is your failure resume. Because God can't work with your success resume, you did that. He's working with your failure resume, the yes. things that you collapsed over, the things that drove you to the ground, the things that put you on your knees, those are the times when, you know, God becomes uh, the the only solution to your life, and that's when he sh- when He really shows up. So... I I write two resumes when when people ask for my stuff I you know I send them the you know the five degrees and all the books and everything and then I say okay wait a minute there's another resume that you need to know about and that's the one of all of my failures all the things that I that I couldn't do became the part of me that that makes me who I am
0: mm. so give me so let me just go back to this one and then can you. Can you show us the different Beatitudes and what they really say? Lucky are those who are desperate, because because of them, Uh, the kingdom of heaven is. That's the actual translation? Exactly.
5: Yeah, actually, there is a word, hoti, and it means because of them. No scholar will tell you that it should be translated for theirs is, because then it makes it sound like we get a piece of the real estate of heaven. Correct. That's not what happens at all, right? What happens is... Because I'm desperate, the kingdom of God arrives. I mean, look what Jesus says. The kingdom is is at hand. And what he means is he's dealing with people who are finally desperate enough to see that God is ready to answer them, that he's going to show up, right? And it's because of their desperation that God shows up. And you can see that in the history of Israel. I mean, think about the number of times that, that the prophets excoriate Israel over being too fat, too happy, too comfortable that they ignore their social responsibility. They ignore the poor, and what happens? They collapse, and then when they collapse, they they plead, "God, you know, forgive us, bring us back." And then he, you know, he shows up. Right? That that's the kind of thing that goes on in this beatitude. And the second one is
0: well, hang on, hang on, hang, hang on. on. I got to take a break. We got to we got to come back. I have to tell you, just that is, is so affirming and. Uh, you know, in in my life, at least I've I've said alcoholics are going to save the world because alcoholics know <laughs> when you, you they a have a bottom and it's not death and B, they know you got to surrender to it and then just just surrender and then just do the things that you're supposed to do. And it's all going to be it's all going to be good because peace is already there. You just don't know how to access it because you won't surrender. So it's it's great. Hang on just a second. Let me tell you about real estate agents. I trust dot com. A job of a real estate agent is really very critical. Buying and selling houses is stressful. It's emotional uh, for the homeowner. It's a stress on everybody. Uh, You know, the best person to step up for that job literally is the difference between you getting exactly what you want and need out of the deal and having to settle for something less. That's a decision that's going to stay with you for a long time. Years ago, I started Real Estate Agents I Trust because I was tired of dealing with mediocre real estate agents and honestly not knowing how to ask them questions on, are you good? Can you sell my house? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Real We've done all of the vetting for you. I urge you. Don't take my word for it. I want you to go and interview these people yourself. But these are the people who have the best practices and they your house is their priority. They have integrity. their word means something. when they say we're gonna get your house, we're gonna get your soul your household and get you into the right house, they mean it and they'll do all they can to make it happen. Real estate agents I that's real 10 seconds station ID. <laughs> all right so so let's uh let's go through these okay go ahead
5: so the first one of course we've talked about but you know the the lucky ones are the destitute because the kingdom of god shows up the second one we read as i'll read it from the new international or the new american standard bible um blessed are those who mourn for they should be comforted but think about that the the term that's used there is the term for a person who's at a funeral. So why are people at funerals lucky? They're, you would think that's the last place on earth that you would ever say, oh, I'm so lucky I'm at this
0: funeral. Because you're alive.
5: But the point, yeah, yeah. well, but the point is that once you are at, when you're at a funeral, you experience the fragility of life. Yes. So the first time you come into contact with the fact that you're not in charge, Right that you can't make your life go on by yourself. You can't just decide I'm going to live longer. You don't have any control over that issue of life and death. And when you're at a funeral, it smacks you in the face. The point there is I'm really lucky because now I get to confront the fact that I'm not in control.
0: It is the same feeling that we had on 9-11, if you're old enough to remember it was the yeah. worst day, and and it was, but it was the first day in my life where I went, "Oh my gosh, this is so fragile. This could come down overnight," and I had yeah. never felt that before.
5: And we're feeling that, I think, as a society, we're feeling that again. Yes, we're not quite sure how it's working yet. We know that there's something really wrong, but. We haven't been able to put our finger on it like an attack on the Twin Towers, but we know that something is happening that's destroying things, and it's making us feel out of control. All you have to do is look at the craziness of the politics that's going on in Washington. Those people are out of control, and that that makes me feel very vulnerable. And that's the time, because of this language, it says when when you're in the, you know, when you confront death, especially death of a loved one, you realize how absolutely dependent you are on God, and that feeling of dependence goes right along with my desperateness for God. So the two beatitudes work together. Yeah, you know, the third one is even better because the third one, you know. Uh, just let back up for a second. Jesus doesn't deliver these in Greek. He delivers them in Hebrew. So in order for me to really understand what's happening, I can't just read the Greek. I have to say, okay, well, what would happen if he was speaking this in Hebrew? And the word that he uses in Hebrew is anah, which we translate sometimes as gentle, but it really means humble, but it means more than that, because that word is about people who are oppressed. In fact, it's used for women who have been raped, okay? So look at the third beatitude. Blessed are those who are oppressed, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, the whole point is, no one would think that they're lucky because they were oppressed. No woman thinks she's lucky to be raped. No country thinks it's, it's lucky to be bombarded and overrun. But what Yeshua is saying is, no, wait, there's a paradox here. When you, when you come to the point where your life is not only not in your control, but where everything is happening that, that seems destructive— that's when something happens with God, and you recognize that there's a that there's a hope, a future, a something that's going to happen afterwards, and you can build on that because God's promises are always true, right? So I even if, even if I'm in the worst possible condition, as David is often in the Psalms, he will say, "But you, Lord, are my rescue." In other words, yeah, life is shit, but but it but it's not going to it, it it's not going to continue like that because I trust God will will redeem God will rescue. So the beatitude takes this horrible situation and turns it upside down. Skip
0: As, Moen. Uh, do Skip Moen he's an international Bible teacher. You can find him at skipmoen.com. We're going to continue our conversation here after a break. Stand by. The Glenn Back Program. So here we are, starting our day out together. Feeling pretty good today. Feeling a whole lot better than I used to. How about you? Do you wake up this morning, hop out of bed, spring in your step? I didn't do that either, but at least I didn't get up the way I used to get up. I was like, oh, I just got to get up so I can go to work and then come home and go to bed. Uh, just hurting all the time. If you're living with pain in your life... Hey, you're lucky, because maybe you can try Relief Factor. 70% of the people um, that have tried Relief Factor have found some relief. They're ordering it month after month. Now, I want you just to try it. Get the three-week quick start. It's $19.95. You take it as directed. See if you're part of that 70%. See if you can find relief. 70% of them go on to order more. Um, over a million people have tried it. It's worked for me. Try it, will you? ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. Or you can call them right now at the number four relief. 800, the number four relief. ReliefFactor.com. Feel
1: the difference. Now's the time to subscribe to Blaze TV. Go to blaze slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn.
0: Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck Program. We're so glad you're here. We have Skip Mowen on, international Bible teacher. Um, we've been talking about uh, the mistranslation of the Beatitudes, which totally turns things around. It goes, it, it 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 loses of you do this. You know, if you're poor, I got a present for you at the end to be grateful that you're poor right now because. That's, you get to see the kingdom of heaven because you're going to, you can, you can find it because you are desperate to find it. That is fantastic, Skip. Fantastic. Um, I don't know why more people aren't teaching it this way. It's really good.
5: Well, I think the reason that more people don't understand this is because we've had, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred years of the Church's use of the Beatitudes as though they were spiritual rewards. And, you know, it's it's comfortable. I mean, the Beatitudes are really, as I've said, spiritual paradoxes. They're very uncomfortable because they're all about the, the situations in life that we would like to avoid. Right. So, so you know, when you read them like that, it, it doesn't preach very well.
0: So, uh, I think, especially in today's world where we are not grateful for anything, anything, and I I have about a year or so ago, I I don't know what made me think this, but I thought uh, it was my dad. It was longer than this. My dad, I wondered if he ever got to rev his philosophical or uh, spiritual RPMs to the red line. Because he didn't, you know, in his own way, he was challenged, but not the way people are challenged right now. Right now, we are entering a time where our RPMs are going to go up, you know, we're going to see what this internal engine can do. Um, And that is exciting and a blessing to be able to fully have to access our brain and our spirit. It's fantastic
5: yeah I think that um when i when I talk about the beatitudes, I often talk about the these as the qualities of leadership because you know frankly, if you don't have leaders who exhibit these kinds of characteristics you you have leaders who are you know who have the egomaniacal uh, attitudes toward themselves. I mean when you think about what these beatitudes say, they really say that that this kind of heart of a person, this kind of character is the person that, yeah, not only that you want to follow, but you can't wait to follow because they, their lives are completely dedicated to, um, to the things that matter to God. Right. And, and that makes, that makes the nation work. When you walk away from that, when you have leadership that's focused on, on power, or on something like that, then, you know, you lose the perspective of what God had in mind when he right. created the human society. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we have, I mean, yeah. uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are yeah. those who mourn, blessed are the meek, yeah. for they'll inherit yeah. the earth. Um, yeah. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness.
5: Yes, and, and the way that I read that, uh, just very briefly, is that those people— are the ones who don't get what they deserve. So the paradox is the very people who hunger and thirst, that means they don't have it, right? In fact, the the words in Greek mean a, a, a a, a constant malnutrition. It's not just that I'm hungry today, but I've been hungry every day, right? Those people, says God, are the ones who exhibit the kind of attitude that I am looking for because they know that they need more. Hmm. Okay. And then the the next one says, um, blessed are
0: the merciful.
5: Uh, the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And for most of our English translations, it looks like a tautology. Oh yeah, give mercy, get mercy. Right. But the problem is, is that that he that verse it literally is a is a a line from Psalm thirty seven, and the word there in Hebrew is chesed, and it doesn't mean mercy. It was mistranslated in the Septuagint and came over into the Greek as mercy, but it actually has this really interesting multi level uh, uh, idea of my social, political, spiritual responsibility for others. And for myself, it's all. "Hesed" is a really, really powerful word. We could spend an hour just talking about that one word. But what it means is, it's like the pay it forward program. It says God did something for me, and I owe Him for what He did. And He says you have to pass it on to someone else for it to be, you know, be acceptable. You remember the the uh, parable that Jesus gave about the rich about the man who owed a huge amount of money and the king forgives him Right, and then he goes out and and takes his friend and says give me you know give me what i what you owe me which was just a tiny amount and when he throws his friend in, in jail the king hears this and he rescinds the forgiveness and and deals very harshly with the man that that's the idea mm-hmm. that if i'm going to show if i'm going to show chesed i'm going to show this community care in my life, then it has to be be extended to the next person. It isn't just for me. It's got to go on through the society.
0: Next one is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God.
5: Yeah, and you know that if you know anything about the Bible at all, you know that no one can see God. So the paradox here is, how in the world can you ever have a pure enough heart so that you can see God? Because the Bible tells you no man can see God and live. So something else is going on behind this, and in my my analysis is okay. Wait a minute. He's not saying that you're going to see God. That is, you're going to be in front of the you know the holy fire. What he's saying is, you if you if you work on the purity of your heart, the integrity of your heart, you will begin to see God's hand, invisible handiwork in the lives of men, and it's exactly yeah. what. Jesus said when he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the behavior. You've seen the attitudes. You've seen the care. You see God happening in the lives of other people. And you can't see it if you're, if you're not looking for purity of heart. It'll be blind to you. You won't even recognize it. But once you concentrate on purity of heart, then you'll start to see God show up. And as you said, he's there all the time. You just haven't been in a position to recognize it. Blessing one is even...
0: Yep, yeah, blessed are the peacemakers, really for they will be called the children of God.
5: Yeah, and this is really interesting because a peacemaker is not someone who's at peace. A peacemaker is the one who makes peace for others. In other words, a peacemaker is the one who's shot at from both sides. Right? Wow! And think about it. We 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 read that and they think, oh, I want peace, so then I can. You know, I can I can be called the son of God because I'm going to be at peace. But that's not what God's saying. What He's saying is, you have to be the one to step into the conflict. You have to be the one to be to be shot at from both sides in order to bring peace. That's the idea. You are a peacemaker, and the peacemaker is not the one who enjoys peace. He's the one who's yeah know, who's in the middle of the fight trying yeah. to make it happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, blessed are those you know, who right? are are persecuted for righteousness' sake.
5: Yes. And this is really interesting because in Hebrew, uh, the idea is to be pursued, right? So it's not that you're being tortured and imprisoned and all that kind of stuff. It means that someone is after you because you're standing for righteousness. And boy, is that ever true in life today. You You stand up for God's values and people come after you, right? And, And what this beatitude is saying is, you're lucky when that happens. I mean, remember, all of these are not blessings. All of these are a description of how lucky you are to be in those positions. And of course, it's exactly the opposite of what we think. You know, we want peace, comfort, wealth, happiness. And what God is saying is those things are exactly the things that keep you away from me. It's in the middle of all this other stuff that that you're more likely to find who I am and who you are. Um, And then from a leadership perspective, I think it's you know, it's the code of conduct that we need in, in our leaders if we're going to see any change at all. It's really a really important stuff.
0: It's amazing to me how God made us to where our natural instinct is an enemy of God. You know, our natural instinct is to not do any of those things. And yes. yet when we do them, we feel so good, but it's so easy to lose that, where I never— lose the desire to eat ice cream. Always. <laughs> and it makes me feel good when I eat it, and I never think, oh, you know what? Oh, I haven't thought about ice cream for a while. But when it comes to service and all of these other things, you're like, oh, yeah, I should do that. Uh, and then you're driving. Why am I going again? i got so much stuff to do. And you feel good. Yeah. Why is it that we forget all of that?
5: But the... You know, in Hebrew thought, in Jewish thought, there's a real interesting uh, perspective on what it means to be human. Uh, it's the it's the conflict between uh, what's called the yitzchak harad yitzchak the, the inclination to good and the inclination to evil. And what Jewish thought is, is that we are the crossroads between those. You never get rid of one or the other. Correct. They're always there, because the, the reason that they're always there is because that inclination to do for myself is what makes me go out into the world and get a job and marry and have children and change the world to fit me. And that's a really powerful thing. We've been exercising that since we were born. Along comes the other inclination, the inclination to to submit my desire for myself to God's will. That's the inclination to good. And that conflict goes on in me all the time. It never stops. It just is a matter of which one I feed, right? It's like going to the gym. If I keep practicing uh, lifting, you know, for biceps, I only get big biceps, but my quads are going to be no good unless I lift, lift for the quads as well. And so what, what the Hebrew idea is, you need, you need to practice both. You, of course, you need to be not a couch potato. You need to get up and change the world. But in changing the world, you need to make that change happen on God's behalf. So you subvert that, that innate desire to change things so that it becomes a function of what God wants as well. And this list of Beatitudes just tells you here's the characteristics that you need to be looking for.
0: You're fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, you, and you, I mean, how humble of you to say, I didn't know anybody would ever want me on. Uh, I, I think you're fantastic, and I, I'd like to have you again. Uh, thank you so much. Well,
5: I really appreciate that, Glenn. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I, you know, I tend to stay below the radar, but um, it's really nice to, to finally talk to you. I've been listening to you for many years, and oh. I really appreciate the time to talk. Thank you,
0: Skip. Can I ask you a question? Because you've listened, sure. you've listened to me. Uh, is are, Go ahead. are are we? We are at the place where we're really, really lucky. <laughs> uh, yeah. You you optimistic for Americans figuring this out and, and changing their life spiritually so we can ask for God's help again?
5: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic in the sense that I know that God is anxious for us to turn to him. And he's always responsive to that. I'm pessimistic when I look at human history. Yeah. Because I've seen, I've seen this. It, look, it, it was the Persians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians. uh, You know, the Greeks, the Romans. It, we've all. There have been stages in human history where we've come to this point of utter disaster, and and unfortunately, most of the time, it's led to collapse. It's not because. You know, God is pushing it that way it's no. because we we re, we didn't respond to His invitation to change, and and you know it's i I'm, I it reminds me of Ezekiel when Ezekiel goes hmm. after the leadership. I mean, he excoriates yes. them by saying, "Here, you, you know, it's not the people." He, he holds the leadership accountable for the whole thing. He says, "You." You sent the people in the wrong way. You, right. you're responsible for all this. And you know, when I look at what's happening in America, I, you know, I live in Italy, <laughs> and and um, so I'm a little bit removed, but right. um, you know, it's crazy. my wife and I are really involved in 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 everyday, you know, checking on what's going on, and I really feel like. Boy, as you said, we're at desperate times. I yeah, mean, we're we are. really at the
0: edge. We are. Um, thank you so much, Skip. We'll talk again. Jamie Dimon, by the way, join us with our 40-day, 40 40-night 40 preparatory uh, exercises. You can find them at glenbeck.com, right on the front page. Jamie Dimon, who is no stranger to financial predictions, says we are on an economic sugar high right now he is urging people to prepare for interest rates as high as seven percent which is a staggering indicator of stagflation uh and then he says prepare yourself for stock market uh crashes okay all right that's good uh in uncertain times what do you do you can only do what you can do and then you leave it the rest to god Here's what one thing you can do if you have money saved, that money is going to be devalued more and more Buy something that doesn't lose its value in inflationary times. And that's gold or silver or precious metals right now. If you buy a tube or a box of historic five dollar gold, liberty or Indian coins, you're going to receive a five pack of gold lines, coveted two ounce silver maple flex bars. That's 10 ounces or 95 individual silver bars for free. It's eight six six Gold Line. Call them right now. Eight six six Gold Line.
1: The Glenn Beck Program.
0: You know, I've become a better, I don't know, prayer. Uh, uh, lately. And I think it's because my son went to college and, uh, you know, he, 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 I don't get to talk to him all the time and I look forward to when he calls and I try to call him and he's busy or whatever. And, uh, I realized the other day, wow, that, I, I think that's the way God feels about, you know, me. Oh, really? Checking in. What do you, what do you need? What do you, what do you need? I was like, no, dad, I just want to say hi. Thanks. Things are great. Uh, join us on our forty-day, forty-night journey uh, as we prepare for America's Covenant that will happen on this broadcast just before Thanksgiving. Tell all your neighbors, your friends, get your church involved. You can find the details at glenbeck.com/first40. First forty, glenbeck.com. You'll find the link on the front page